reverse. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a fucking cool movie. <laughs> or is that Benjamin Button? I mean, I think that's kind of Tenet. <laughs> Have you seen it yet? I've seen it. I think it's called Ending Explained. I've seen someone uh, like talk about the movie. Mm. That's what I usually do for movies because I usually don't take the time to like watch them, but I'll like see someone review it and like because I like the concepts of stuff, especially like horror movies. But if I see yeah. a horror movie, like I won't be able to sleep and I'll be scared and like traumatized. Oh, horror gets you? It, it fucking gets you? It gets me, man. Like if I wow. guaranteed there was a time in my life where. If I even like saw a trailer for a horror movie, I would not sleep that night and I would think about it and I would think about like, well, what is the movie like? And I would basically make an entire movie, you know. Oh, you make it, you'd create I would the make it like horror in your head. It would be, would, I would make it the worst possible thing in my head, you know. And so like, that's why I've never seen Final Destination. I've never seen any Final Destination movie because I, I know if I do, I will literally ruin my life. <laughs> <laughs> you will die from fright like a little bu- bunny rabbit. I'm just going to, I'll be in my little hidey hole and I'll just never come out. <laughs> Man, I fucking love horror movies, but there, granted, there are a couple that have stuck with me, especially when I was younger. Like, um, I'm guessing you never saw The Grudge. <laughs> no. Uh, dude, I, I, The Grudge. I mean, I saw The Ring, and everyone was, like, obsessed with The Ring, and I got it, but I saw it in theaters, and it just had a couple of, like, <gasps> moments for me, but it didn't stick with me. Yeah. And then I saw The Grudge, and The Grudge was another one of those, like, remake Japanese movies. And uh, Dude, Japanese horror is where it's it, at. They know, it's how to, the, they know I, how to do scary, man. They really so fucking like, do. Like, to the point where it disturbs me and genuinely scares me. Yeah. And yeah. uh, the grudge was one of those. It was the American version of it, but oh my god, dude! There's a there's one of the things that's a repetitive thing in the grudge is, um, I guess, like the ghost or whatever does this fucking sound with her throat. That that's how you know that they're in the room. Is they go mm. uh, yeah. like that, and it's so fucking scary. And <laughs> I saw it with some friends in high school legitimate like sleepless nights first time that ever happened to me like I was probably like 16 and I was like waking up in the middle of the night scared that the the grudge lady was gonna be crawling out of my closet yeah and my friend would fucking call me like really late at night and we would we wouldn't talk at you know 10 12 o'clock at night and he did it twice or at least twice that he would call me and I'd pick up and he would just be going uh and I'm like fuck yeah like yelling into the phone I'm like come on dude it fucked with me so bad Uh, (laughs) but now the older I get horror movies are just like loving especially old horror movies is like loving the prosthetics and the practical effects and like and there's just the craziness of them like horror movies in the 70s and 80s are just so fucking off the wall like it's not the conjuring it's like fucking creepazoids and you know like maniac cop and shit like like an undead <laughs> cop just killing people all over the city and shit like those are the horror movies I really love like that that is so fun for me but I look at it now as like I'll still get scared but I look at it now from like a practical perspective and just being like dude how did they make that shot how like the thing is one of the craziest like practical effects movies yeah and it's it's yeah and you 
like you watch it and you're just like, how did they fucking like, how does a head become a spider? And then it starts crawling around and it grows extra eyes out of the head. So it's like fucking like little slug eyes. And it's like, oh, dude. Yeah. So that's a, I just can't believe that you don't watch movies, to be honest. <laughs> like that's like bigger for me than music. I Look, I don't know, man. It's like, why don't, why don't you, Brett, why don't you cross stitch? I don't know. Cause I just don't that, want to cross stitch, you know. That's the weirdest comparison. It's it's on uh, the same level for me. <laughs> really? I mean, I look, why don't you I, watch like movies? I'll watch. I don't know. Why don't you go bowling every day? That's not the same thing. I mean, that's the same thing. Like I watch little YouTube videos about like movies and like I'll watch. Uh, uh, there's a one channel called a uh, uh, Now You See It, I think, and now they'll just talk it. about like. The way some movies were shot and like ha- the pacing of a movie and like the foreshadowing of a movie and that stuff is interesting to me. But the actual movies themselves aren't, are just like, I don't know. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Just doesn't call yeah. to me, which is, might uh, kind of be a perfect segue into this album. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, shit. I, are, I, are, I suspect our opinions on this album, like our when we score it, this is going to be the the most vast gap between our scores. Wow, man! You know, it was it was definitely like, well, let's get into that. What's up, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Earbuds, the podcast where two buds talk about one album for a while. Uh, we talk about what we like and what we didn't like. And we rate it. We get into a bunch of bullshit in between. Eventually, we get to the record. But we're probably going to be talking about movies for the most part of this episode. <laughs> um, we are the odd couple of podcasts. or the pod couple of oddcasts. Mm. We are your hosts. Me, Lucas, the, the drippy... The, the hammer. The Lucas, the drippy hammer, Indrakovs. <laughs> And Brett the Hitman Hanrahan. And today we're going to be talking about a cover album, which is a first for us, by a band called Easy Star All Stars. And they are covering Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. And their album is called Dub Side of the Moon. <laughs> I think I, I kind of looked into this band a little bit just across their albums. And I think if they can't make some type of reggae pun, they won't cover the album. Um, agreed. I, I, I think that was, uh, the hardest sell for me when I first heard this record, because the first time I heard it was in high school when I did not like reggae yet. Like I hadn't gotten into it yet. So, Mm. and Pink Floyd was like God level music to me. You, so you were like, Oh, they're going to tarnish the good name of Pink Floyd. Dude, what you exactly? And again, I wasn't into reggae and especially not into dub yet. So like, yeah. I did not entertain this record at all. And all of my stony high school friends would play it during theater class, and I just would leave the room. I couldn't fucking handle it. And then I heard it again once I had started. Uh, I, I had heard reggae. I'd, I'd gotten into Bob Marley finally, like junior year of high school or something. And then thanks to my sister. And then that just opened up the world for me once I kind of realized, like, oh, reggae is not just like <laughs> it's not, it's not like the most racist depiction of like Jamaican people. Yeah, and it's yeah. not, and it's not 
there's so much reggae that is not that happy party like the sunshine and the sand and the ocean type of stuff right. it's just like there's a reggae the, the reggae that i got into and the reason that i first got into marley which i'm sure is a lot of people's introduction to reggae and what got them into it is bob marley a majority of of his music is like protest music um mm. it's it's uh speaking to a lot of social issues and yeah some of it is you know sun is shining the weather is sweet but then you know then you have songs like buffalo soldier and then belly full and crazy bald heads which is talking about nazis and mm. it, like skinhead culture and then you talk about it, there's so much of it was like bringing up social issues but putting it in a context like in a in a piece of music that people can still dance to and if you're not really listening to what he's saying you're just like this is so fun and relaxing right and uh that's i think that's kind of what i discovered uh while listening to this album because i've i've i'm really so inexperienced with reggae just sure. as a like maybe i have to get into bob marley maybe that's what i need to do you know <laughs> he's a good That's intro man apparently what everyone else does uh but i realized that like these this genre is kind of it's it's weird because like it's a lot of slow stuff right it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of the songs are very slow but it's still groovy and it's danceable oh which yeah is, for sure because like when you think of dance music first thing you think of is some i don't know like edm or like something fast a little more fast paced and uppity and it's like reggae is just the the kind of slow and more groovy version of that i guess i mean reggae reggae is really meant to um to smoke weed to man like it <laughs> that that's the that's the oh rhythm that you can get in when you're at that level when you're just like dude i can bob my head to this i don't have to move that much you and, know like <laughs> look i was over here like doing my best to not like talk about that because you told me that like yeah i smoke weed but that doesn't like you know affect anything like i'll listen to death metal and smoke weed yeah you know for sure and this this album wants you to smoke weed to it (laughs) it calls to you you know like uh like in the beginning of money instead of using cash register sounds and like (laughs) coins and and stuff they're using someone hitting a bong and coughing i here's the thing about that is that like when it first happened and you, you could hear the, you know, they're got a lighter or something and they're smoking a bowl. I was like, okay, all right. But then when it, the coughing in the lighting got in the rhythm. So cool. I loved that actually. So fucking like, cool. It, it caught me so hard by surprise. Like it was so out of left field. And I was like, I like literally like froze and I was like, Oh, <laughs> Yeah, like, do you know how much work that probably took to, like, sync that up to the same rhythm and syncopation that, like, the original album had? And then, like, you're you're completely replacing those sounds with something else. Like, that's... Yeah. It's funny because this album, I feel like, is such an homage. It is a love letter to Dark Side of the Moon, but they make it their own so much. Like, that's all Michael Gold... I think it's Goldwasser or Goldwasser and Tikla. Um, those two guys, I mean, Michael G, he produced Dubside. He produced um, Radio Dread, which is their OK Computer yeah. cover album, which is in- insanely well done as well. And then they did Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Dub Hearts Band, I think. <laughs> Not and the cleanest That one. one, 
<laughs> how do you make Beatles into reggae and and make it sound cool? That's really fucking hard. Um, but I still like it. It grew on me a lot. And uh, and then they came out with Thrilla, which was the, oh. uh, the the Michael Jackson Thriller cover album. That's the last really? one they've done. Yeah. And I think on it, that's my least favorite of theirs, but there are some good standout records on uh, songs on that record. But Dubside and Radio Dread, I mean, those two albums lend themselves so well to writing fucking cool reggae to it. Like my favorite reggae is not the major chord, happy fun time reggae. My favorite reggae is the minor chord, angry, aggressive you know, trying to make a point reggae and that this never would I have thought that dark side would translate so well into reggae. And that's hundred percent due to the writing of this record. Like all Michael and Tickla, like mm-hmm. they are what made this so good. Uh, well, as a, uh, <laughs> as a, as a person who doesn't smoke, which catches a lot of people by surprise. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I I kind of wish I could, but like, I don't really have access <laughs> to it. Uh, uh, no, I I think as a as someone who's not a fan of reggae, and you probably like Pink Floyd a lot. I'm guessing. I'm a I, I'd say I'm an average fan. I haven't like listened to all okay. their stuff, but a good amount. See, Okay, well, I'm a huge Pink Floyd flan, flan and a huge <laughs> reggae flan, and I'm a flan flan. I love flan. You like flan? Oh, it's one of the best desserts. Oh, and okay. I, that's what was so hard for me to get into this the first time, because I was so into Pink Floyd, and I could not accept this as a serious piece of music. Right. But yeah, it did take me finally kind of like experimenting with weed. And and I I somehow came back to this record, and since then it has been a top ten album of my life. Which is in? Would you say Dark Side of the Moon is in the top ten as well, or is that no. does that fall below? That falls below. Wow. Okay. And so you you also told me before we recorded this episode that you had a history with this album. I do. I actually have some history with this album, uh, with this band and with this record label. Um, that was so, yeah. So my intro wasn't great, but then once I got into college and I gave this another chance, it, it really did become one of the coolest things I'd, I'd heard, uh, probably like 19, 18, 19 years old. (laughs) And I got so into it. And then they came out with radio dread and I didn't like Radiohead at all. (laughs) <laughs> uh, at that point mostly because so many people liked them like that's kind of like we've talked about that before yeah. I'm kind of a that's yeah. that's kind of your thing that's kind of my thing and uh <laughs> it's I I just thought Radiohead was weak and and slow and quiet and boring and then they came out with the okay computer cover album and that blew my fucking mind and then that got me into Radiohead and now Radiohead's one of my favorite bands and oh, really um, but I would still hold okay computer uh uh radio dread the cover album i still hold that over higher regard than the original album wow man that's and i that that that's might even be a crazier thing to say than dub side over dark side honestly it it might be man i wouldn't be surprised if that like 
surprises some people, but it's that's how much I love reggae music. Yeah. And how impactful reggae music was on me growing up. Like, despite, you know, so many there, I have so many memories with Dub Side of the Moon. It is, I like, it's, it's held so dear to me. And I have so, there are so many moments when I was listening to this album, getting ready for this episode that like, it took me back to driving around with my friends to our first show in San Antonio that we were going to play. And we were all smoking joints in the car and listening to this like <laughs> cranked up and, uh, just so many moments of, of this album, like was, was present in my life, you know? So right. whenever I was in college, I, one summer I just kind of like got a wild hair at my ass and I thought that I wanted to get an internship. I was like, I had no reason to, I knew it looked good on a resume. That was really the only reason I wanted one uh, sure. other than just like, I want to do something this summer. So I started looking on the easy star records website, perusing around they didn't have anything about like internship availabilities or inquiries or anything like that. But I would look at some of their photos that they had on the site and then, and the caption would, some of them would be intern Michael at this festival or intern yeah. Kayla at this festival. And I'm just like, Oh, they have interns. Maybe that's what gave me the idea. So I kept looking for stuff on the site to be like, where do I inquire about internships? And there was nothing. So on the, but on the website they had the CEO's email address. So I emailed the CEO <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric is his name and uh, fucking really, really cool guy and emailed him directly and, and just kind of started asking questions. It was like six months of emailing each other back and forth to try and coordinate if I can go up there. And where were they based? They're based in New York City. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't have anywhere to stay. I wasn't going to be getting paid. Yeah. But I was going to have one meal a day basically paid f- for me. And, uh, and then I was going to be able to just help and just get experience on working with a a small record label. And that was the summer that they were recording Sergeant Peppers. Oh really? So I was like, I was the dude running to fucking a coffee shop down the street from the studio to pick up boiling hot cups of water. So Modest Yahoo can make ginger tea before he sang in the studio. And then Mm. I was the one who was in charge of trying to find, you know, Ital. Have you heard of Ital cuisine? No. Ital is like the Rastafarian diet cuisine. So it's all vegetarian. Okay. And just a lot of like Jamaican spices and stuff. And uh, it was up up to me to find an Ital restaurant that the Mighty Diamonds can eat at. And I'm talking about these dudes are in their 60s. They had their fucking whole family in this this small ass studio. So there's like 15, 20 people in the studio because they're just like, hey, it's a family affair. Anything we do. (laughs) And, uh, And I started walking around just trying to be like, dude. Where am I going to find an Ital restaurant in fucking Brooklyn? Like that's going to, you know, and I, and I had never been to New York and I didn't know that that type of shit is everywhere. But you know, at the moment I was just fucking terrified. And then yeah. I ended up finding a restaurant called the mighty diamonds. Oh, wow. And I asked, I, I was like, can I speak to the owner? And the owner comes out and I go, is this named, is, did you name your restaurant off of, from the, the band? And he goes, yeah, they're my favorite band of all time. I love them. I want, that's the reason I got into this type of cuisine and blah, blah. And I was like, dude, would you believe I, me if I, I told you? I got a surprise you? for you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, would you believe me if I told you that the Mighty Diamonds right now are fucking two streets away recording and I can get them to come eat here? And he said that he would let them eat for free if I was telling the truth. <laughs> sure. So I, I went back to the studio and I was just like, dude. The Mighty Diamonds, there's a fucking restaurant named after you guys. 
we have to go. And, and so wow. after they recorded, we all went to the restaurant. The guy, the owner, I felt like the fucking like coolest dude in the world because I just <laughs> made this guy's fucking life. So, yeah. So the history is like I've, I eventually was able to get an internship with them. And I went up to New York and spent five weeks uh, interning for Easy Star records i met this whole band i became friends with a lot of them the basis of this band like we still keep in touch every now and then he sends me happy birthday messages every year one of the nicest guys in the world the some of the singers are super nice and we still follow each other on social media and it's just they're some of the nicest people eric is eric the ceo michael the producer um they are really genuine really nice people and um yeah so i have a very personal connection with everyone that was involved in the making of this. Right. And so that probably even before I got the internship, this was a a massive record for me in my life. And then after that, it just, it be, it's cemented itself as one of the top 10 albums for me of all time because of that very personal connection that I have to it. And those relationships that I made because of this record. Right. Yeah. So I'm obviously biased as fuck. (laughs) So you're gonna you're gonna kind of be fanboying this whole time. I didn't even take any notes for this fucking episode because I, I I just wanted to speak from the hip. And I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't have to anyway. No, I've heard it so many times, dude. Like it's just it's this this album is is just part of my DNA at this point. <laughs> and it's well, it's crazy too because like if you're not into reggae, you don't realize like all the guest singers on here are like known. Like these people are known in the scene. Yeah, you know? I do not know that. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're you got right. like Sluggy Ranks, who's like a, a famous dancehall singer who like basically was one of the founders of like New York dancehall, which is like more dancey reggae. Like if you listen to dancehall, that probably would you could imagine like that's why it's called dancehall. It's it's almost like hip hop reggae, but it's a little mm-hmm. more like dance music focused. Right. So you have like Sluggy Ranks who represents that. You have like Corey Harris, who is part of like the the kebmos and the the like acoustic guitar dudes in the 90s that like blew up with that acoustic guitar music and he like he's on an on a song like ranking joe is another like famous reggae uh i think he's a dj from uh jamaica that he's on one of them gary pine is on one of the songs that he's like a famous for being the the front man for the whalers who was bob marley's band he oh. was the front man for the whalers from like 98 to 2006 so like he's really well known, and then you have Dollar Man, who's another like singer guy who's really well known. Then you have Frankie Paul, who's like this. Basically, they call him the, the Jamaican Stevie Wonder because he's blind, and oh. he has an amazing voice. And he sang on "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds" on uh, Sgt. Pepper's, and he has a beautiful voice. And then you have the Meditations, that is just like it's they're kind of like the Mighty Diamonds. They're just massive legends, huge names, and the fact that this record label started out as a distributor and a re um, they would reprint a lot of old classic reggae records that not a lot of people knew about. And they reprinted them and introduced them to to the American market. And then these guys that like really just, they had clout because of their obvious love for reggae and not just like Bob Marley. Like they, they love people that no one's ever heard of outside of Jamaica Right. Yeah. And they created these relationships with these people because they're, you know, Hey, let me reprint your album from 1976 that I love. And they would do that. And then, you know, like sugar, my or sugar, Mano, I don't know how you pronounce his name exactly, but he was, 
he sang um, exit music for a film on Radio Dread, and I'm pretty sure he sang an album or a song on Sgt. Pepper's also. And he, it's it's like the respect that I have for this label, like cannot be overstated. That how much these guys exposed me to some of the best reggae music and really some of the best music I've ever heard. And so it, let me get this straight: is that Easy Star is the record label? Right. Easy Star is the record label. And so from that label, the Easy Star All-Stars uh, were formed. And the All-Stars is just the band. There aren't any vocalists in the All-Stars, right? Um, they, Whenever they recorded the music on the albums, there was no one in the band that was singing. They were like studio musicians. Okay. But when they played live, they sang those parts because they can't get you know, Gary Pine to go to sing us and them live, you know, right. they can, yeah, they can do it themselves. So yeah, they took over a lot of the vocal, um, responsibilities when they played live and toured, but in the studio, they were just musicians. And so what was, <laughs> I'm interested how the label kind of had this all-star band and why they did dub side of the moon. Yeah. You know, I wish I had, more of that history. Like I wish I knew a lot more of that history of what, why they did this. My idea, my understanding is that the all stars is just a name for the band. It doesn't necessarily mean like these, everyone in this band is, is a legend. Yeah. Or this is some sort of super group. <laughs> I think it's like they found the, some of the best studio musicians they could find and put them together to make a, a record and Dubside <laughs> and Dubside was uh I think an idea that Michael and Eric and Tickla had, and they were probably playing around with some stuff. And then they were like, Hey, this might be, we might have something here. And they just went through with it. The The cool thing about radio dread is I'm pretty sure from the beginning, they had the rights to play, to, to play this cover album and to write all this, but they did not have the rights to do radio dread. They, no. they, I think the story that I understand is that they didn't realize that they, they forgot to ask for the rights until they were completely done <laughs> recording. Oh God, that must be the absolute worst like email to to send. It, Dude, like trying to hear back. They, I think they were completely done with the record, and they were like, "Oh, oh shit, we man. forgot to ask for the rights." So they emailed Radiohead's management, and they sent. I think they sent two songs, uh, "No Surprises" and um, oh, which one's the Toots and the Maytals on? Uh, I forget which one. Paranoid Android. Nah, it's it's like in the middle of the record. But yeah, so they sent those two songs, and they said, "Hey man, we have this whole album recorded. Here's two samples. Uh, we would really love to release this. Let us know." And Johnny Greenwood, uh, the guitarist for Radiohead, is a huge reggae fan. Um, oh. To the point where he's worked. Trojan Records is a really big reggae record label, like a, a one of the originals. And Johnny has release his own compilations of his favorite Trojan songs through Trojan records. So this guy like knows the back catalog. He is like deep in that scene and they called, uh, the toots and the Maytel song. And they called, they, they said that the two songs they sent them were so impressive and they immediately loved it. And they said, yes, please put this out. Yeah. Let's go. So cool, dude. So cool. And just like cool to realize that like Radiohead are like big reggae dub fans too. It's you really wouldn't expect it. No, but then that is huge in the London scene, reggae and dub. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, well, it goes to show what I know. I mean, <laughs> think about Madness and the specials and the Clash and the Police and all these bands that came out of the UK that are hugely, you know, influenced by reggae. Huh. Yeah, you don't really think about it until you like sit down and like really look into it and you're like oh wow like it's like i'm pretty sure that's where dubstep started was in london and dubstep was obviously a offshoot of dub music somehow somehow i mean and that's another thing dude you don't listen to dub that would make this album a lot harder for you to get into if it didn't automatically connect you know yeah i don't i don't really know what dub is i like I know reggae is the genre. Yeah. There's 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 like dub. <laughs> there's like I know some ska stuff, and that's about like the limit of my understanding of all this. Which ska was before reggae? I know I know Babylon. I know uh-huh. uh, you know Bambaclot. <laughs> you know Bambaclot? <laughs> no, I don't know Bambaclot. I know Zion. Yeah, uh, there you go. And that's that's about it. <laughs> so so I was. I mean, I've probably listened to maybe two reggae records before going into this. Which ones? And, you know, like, select few, uh, uh, probably Bob Marley songs or something. Do you, uh, can you re- recall, like, which two reggae records you've listened to? I'm sure I, it was a Bob Marley record. One of them. Which, I think whichever Buffalo Soldier was on. Because uh, in social studies, in eighth grade, they played Buffalo Soldier to teach us about the the Buffalo soldiers. That's that awesome. Were, uh, That's yeah. a dope-ass teacher, dude. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Your teacher smokes weed. Yeah. <laughs> they were hip. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, and, uh, oh, I think I just listened to, like, a best of reggae, like, album or playlist or something on Spotify. Just because I wanted to, like, try to get into it. And I listened to a bunch of songs. And I was like, ah, I don't know. This isn't for me. Just something. It's not about reggae. Maybe it's because I'm not a smoker. Like, but even past that, like, I don't know. It just seems very slow, and the echoes kind of get to me. Like the room kind of gets to me, and <laughs> that's what I love so much about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the dub aspect of it all. The echoes, the weird sounds, the manipulation of like what the guitar and the drums sound like, the cutting of the vocals in and out. And a mm. lot of the that's that's all dub. So I think dub started as producers, like guys who would go into the studio and they would take someone's song and manipulate it, turn up the phaser, turn down the this, cut the vocals out, put a put some delays on this and that and that. And so mm. dub producers are really musicians in their own right. So that's kind of where it started was like just taking songs that already existed and making dub versions of them. And once I got into reggae, because I was already in a ska, and I can't yeah. believe I like ska but not reggae. <laughs> and but ska <laughs> did precede reggae, which is fucking weird to think about. But like, it's when once I started getting into reggae, then like the next logical step was to get into dub, and that's when I went deep into dub. <laughs> yeah. I would I would put <laughs> echo on top of echo on top of echo on top of every like on every song that I wrote at that point was all reggae dub reggae stuff 
and the more shit that I could do to manipulate my voice and the, my guitar and the drums, it, like there was no limit for me. And right. to a lot of people, it was like exhausting to listen to. <laughs> it it, it would have been that way for me for sure. Yeah, man. <laughs> I just feel like you're it, like, would you call yourself like a beach guy? A beach? No, not at all. I hate the yeah, beach. Man. Reggae is just not for you. No, I just look. I just, I just. It's a, it's a very vibe heavy genre, and I just don't got the vibes, you know. Yeah, you don't have the island vibes. I just don't got the vibes. <laughs> right near the beach, <laughs> boy. Uh, but it's not, you know, getting into the album. Uh, it wasn't a dreadful experience, though it was very dreadful. Hey. Okay. <laughs> was it radio dreadful? <laughs> it was radio dreadful. It wasn't a bad experience. I didn't hate it by any means, but I'm it's glad. just you know it doesn't click with me. And like it was, it was cool. But I I don't I can't imagine myself like listening to this very often. You know, like I feel yeah. like if I'm maybe if I'm in a very specific mood, you know that happens like twice every year. I'll be, I'll be sure. into it, but yeah, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's, I get that. Um, I, I think, yeah, having the, the history, like knowing the history of reggae and the history of dub, when you listen to this as a, as a fan and, um, you know, I don't know if I can even call myself a fucking like amateur historian, but just knowing the background <laughs> of where a lot of this music started, this is next level reggae and dub music like this is not your basic shit really yes this is not i mean being able to take something like pink floyd that that you listen to it and you're like you can't hear a reggae cover of time or of money <laughs> yeah, or us and them and yeah. they i think the the songwriting on this record is is some of the most impressive that i've heard on anything and and I can appreciate it because I have that history with reggae and with dub and all that stuff. And I can like, right. and I have that history with, with Pink Floyd, you know, so I can really, really appreciate how masterful this record is. And what I'm trying to say is you're wrong. Yeah. Okay. It was all leading up to that. Yeah. And I'm right <laughs> cool. because if you like, I mean, we can just preface this. If you like reggae, you're going to love this album. If you like Pink Floyd, you're, you might like this. But if you if you like reggae music, it doesn't matter if you hate Pink Floyd, you're going to fucking like this record. Like guaranteed. Okay. You don't have to be a Pink Floyd fan to be into this, right? But you have to be a reggae fan to be into this, I think. And did you did you listen to uh Dark Side of the Moon at all when you were listening to this album? Uh you mean when I first was getting into it? Like uh for this episode. Or going back, nah, because Dark Side is another one of those records that I I just know it back and forth. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I that that's that you know if that's not in my top ten is it's number eleven or twelve, like it's it's very close. Um, it's it is one of my favorite albums of all time, and I didn't have to. I only listened to this once before this episode. Like I didn't have to listen to this multiple times to to know exactly right. what I wanted to say about it. You know, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we can. I can tell you right now that my choice nugs, and it was really hard to pick choice nugs for this, just based off of the songwriting alone, money. To be able to play money in a reggae format 
is so fucking impressive to me that it has to be up there as one of the best on the album. A, a fucking six and a half minute reggae song is crazy to think about. And the right. fact that it can keep it can keep you into it the whole time. And like what is the the time signature of money? It's like five four or like it's seven, seven four. Seven four. How do you play seven four in reggae? <laughs> they figured it out. I like I'm listening to it now. I'm pretty sure they, they retained the signature. I don't think you can oh, yeah. play money in a different time signature. <laughs> no, that's dude, bing, like the ding ding bing boom 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 with a little really light organ going on in the yeah. background in the, in the intro the fucking yeah repurposing like lighter sounds bong sounds coughing sounds into like <laughs> that fucking rhythm that they have in the beginning of the original yeah that is so impressive I, albeit i can admit that it's goofy it's it's gimmicky right it's like cheesy in a way but oh boy. yeah but you know whatever we're just having fun <laughs> i absolutely love it the vocals on money are crazy. Um, that's Gary Nesta Pine. He's singing most of the song, and then you have Dollar Man that's playing kind of like the toaster. I did. It, I really appreciated the Dollar Man feature on Money. How, <laughs> how I don't fun know is that, is. dude? <laughs> money will make a good man bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Money will make a bluff. Like it's, and that can be yeah, goofy yeah. too, right? If you're not into reggae, like that's no, that sounds goofy. super goofy. And, on on uh, time and what? Yeah, oh, I love that guy. Super when he would goofy. Go off super fast and um yeah, man. I it's money is like A money is probably one of the best songs ever written. Yeah, uh, sure. the original, you know? Yeah. So um uh, hearing them be able to to translate that into a reggae song and have the same vibe, it's still cool. Like money is one of those songs that you fucking feel cool just listening to it. You know? <laughs> and especially the reggae one. I was the dude that was blasting this album, like pulling up to my scuba diving class in <laughs> the summer of 2007, blasting this as I drove up to class and all these like 50 year old dudes just being like, is that, what is that? And I'm just like, dude, dubside, check it out. And, and so I, I, I always blasted reggae in my car. Like that's what I would bump in my car. I had fucking two 12 inch subwoofers and I would just listen to reggae driving around. <laughs> You, while you were hotboxing around the neighborhood. And... Fearlessly, dude. I think back so much on those times. And I was talking about it with, with uh, Christina the other day, just being like, what was the dumbest place you've ever smoked? Like, what was like the probably the, the closest you've ever been to being caught, you know? And I was never that stupid about it. Like, I was never that reckless about it. Uh-huh. But I, I did do it driving a lot. Oh man. And thinking back on it imagine. now. Yeah, that's super reckless. It's so fucking <laughs> stupid. Like we were smoking blunts driving around in my car in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, and blasting fucking <laughs> super heavy <laughs> bassy reggae driving around. The cops had no shit. idea. <laughs> they they could smell us a mile away, I'm sure. <laughs> Just out of uh, the fucking mercy, they they didn't fucking arrest me. But uh, back to money, I, I thought it was interesting that on a couple of those, these songs, they kind of like added verses, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they took some freedom. They took a, some liberties, which I appreciate. Some liberties, yes. Because yeah. I, I feel like if you're going to do a, it, like, I don't know what the ethics or the morals or like what you have to do for a cover album. But if I'm going to listen to one, I'd like there to be some new stuff, you know? 
That so, those are the those are the only covers I like is when someone makes it their own. Yeah. I don't want to hear a one to one cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit. That's not interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it, nowadays like I know it was made in like 2006, but like if I wanted to hear just a plain one to one reggae version of time or of whatever, I would just go on YouTube and you know someone's done it. Yeah, if you want to hear one to one shitty reggae covers, listen to Dread Zeppelin. Oh yeah. Oh, dude. I remember when I, I when I was getting so into Easy Star, and I'm like, I want to hear every reggae cover album like ever. I'm like, this is like my shit now because I love cover songs. I always have. And uh and it's like a friend of mine called me out on it a, a few years ago because like every song I would show him while we were playing poker was a cover of another song and he was like, You like cover right. songs, huh? And I was like, Wow, I guess I never thought about it. But I do absolutely love covers. And Dread Zeppelin is like almost a joke. And they're also doing straight one-to-one covers. They're just doing reggae versions of black dog and shit. And it's so bad. Oh, it's so uninteresting, but I do like the liberties that they took with this. And what's weird is like you said, like they add like on money, they have dollar man, you know, money will make a good man bad. And they have kind of this like dance hall, verse when they kind of let him go off and do his thing for a couple minutes and yeah. then they come back to money. But what's fucking crazy. And you mentioned this yesterday is technically you can do the same thing where you sync up dark side of the moon with wizard of Oz. You can sync this record up with wizard of Oz and it hits at the same moments. So they even really? thought that much into the the writing of these songs that they even though they add their own bits to it, it still will give you the same experience when you match it up to the movie. Man, and I, that's yeah, that's that's probably maybe to me as a person who doesn't know anything about reggae, the most impressive part of this album is that they were able to like kind of sync everything up, I guess. Yeah. And like I I did there were some parts of the album that I thought like I wonder if they they like wrote this part specifically to match up more to the movie. You know, like uh uh I think on the run was one of the parts uh-huh. and like there was some kind of like witch like laughter. <laughs> and I I was wondering like oh I wonder if this is like when they get in the tornado and like the witch is yeah. laughing and Have you ever done it before with Dark Side? No, man, because I don't like 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 even if you gave me the liner notes of the album, uh, I wouldn't be able to do it because like Wizard of Oz, I can't find it like I can't find it anywhere. It's on Hulu Premium, which like if you have a Hulu subscription, you have to pay money to watch, which is the most (sighs) mind bending thing to me. And it's only with movies that I want to watch that that happens. (laughs) I love that one of the movies you want to watch is Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Well, because I wanted to do it with this record, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought it'd be cool. I thought it'd be an interesting way to... It is cool, man. It is. Um, I think you would like it a lot. I'm sure... Can't you find, like, Wizard of Oz on fucking YouTube or something at this point? Uh, maybe. Is this I, shit I'm not sure there's... public domain at this point? I feel like it <laughs> should be. I think the story is, but maybe not the movie, but yeah, dude, it's, I've, I went to, um, Alamo draft house and they were doing the wizard of Oz with dark side of the moon. Yeah. I love it when they do that kind of stuff at Alamo. 
it was so cool, but I didn't realize that you have to listen to the album essentially two and a half times to get through the yeah. whole movie. So yeah. you're, you're hearing time three times. You're hearing money three times. The only thing you <laughs> don't is, hear like us and them and the second half of the album after like by the end of the movie, it's like it's done. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because people will like swear on their lives that like Pink Floyd made this for Wizard of Oz. But like they how are, you go- how are you going to write something and be like, okay, the second time the album comes around, it's going to sync up with this part of the movie. And who you know, thought to do that first? That you know what? That's like I don't know. What the, fucking who, acid brain just like they, thought that that they would were just be a like good idea. if I just play this album with this movie at the same time? How do you even think to do that in the first place? Much less with Dark Side and Wizard of Oz, right? And I don't know. And you were a hundred percent right when on the run starts. That that is when the tornado is happening in the movie. Right, yeah. So there, there were parts like that where I kind of imagined, like, what part of the movie would this fit it with? And it was probably this. Like, you know, I wonder if they wrote it for that part. Um, you know, yeah. Who knows, right? I mean, on the dub side one, I think they definitely had that in mind, right? They, they have that context. So I think yeah. the laughing that you hear in On the Run, which I love this version of On the Run way more than the original version, because um, they add like EDM stuff to it or something, like fucking I drum think and it bass. Was- if I'm not mistaken, this could just be me being stupid, but I think it's the Amen break, right? That Amen. they they added the drums from the Amen break, uh, which is like the most sampled drum beat of all time. You you've heard it in like Powerpuff Girls and is it yeah? Is it the same drums? I think because it's it's got a pretty iconic like snare. You know, yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. And I could be wrong, but that's I appreciated it because normally on the run is like it's, it's a skipper. it's cool, but it, yeah, it's kind of a skipper. Like it goes on for too long, and it's like all right. But I I did appreciate the the drums on this one, and I only wish that they could have done even a little more with this song. Like got a little weird with it, and like added some. I was I was like wishing for some echo stuff, which is like I was <laughs> like ironic. some echo guitars or some weird vocals or something, because I feel like they could have gotten really like I don't know like psychedelic with this one and I, I don't know maybe they weren't really trying to go with something like that but well I feel like they definitely went more psychedelic with it it's a lot more interesting than the original uh, I think so yeah yeah and and there are I guess what you could call vocals. Where like someone's kind of talking and then they have like laughing going on over it. Yeah. But definitely one of the cooler things uh, when you're watching the Wizard of Oz with this album is when money starts. That's when the the door to our house opens and everything's like gold (laughs) and colorful. It's literally like that moment when the door opens and you see the Emerald City Uh and it just goes doom, doom, like it's so fucking cool. Uh, I wish I could. Maybe it's maybe it is on YouTube. Maybe after this recording, I'll try to try to look for it again. Dude, I will drop off a nug for you, if, <laughs> if need be, for you to truly enjoy. If you that could just experience. ship it, like one day delivery. I'll just FedEx it to you. FedEx has been yeah. drug dealers for thirty years. They just didn't know it. <laughs> so, uh, your what's your second nug? Yeah. So first one is money. Second one was hard for me to decide because. 
I really love speak to me and breathe. I really love time and I really love, uh, us and them, but I would have to say it's us and them. Okay. And honestly, I think it's because both of those songs are also two of my favorite Pink Floyd songs. And us and and us and them. Yeah. Okay. And us and them has on this album is very different reggae. It's almost, it'd almost be hard for me to call it reggae. It's well, more drum and bass than anything else, but slow drum and bass. When I was listening to it, some parts of the song kind of gave me a, like an 80s just pop vibe, like like yeah. a, it's a love song you would hear on the radio in the 80s for some reason. Yeah, totally. And I, I think it's a lot that has to do with Frankie Paul's vocals. He is an, has an amazing voice. And he can just capture that 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 vibe so well. He like when he was singing "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds," they had to print out the lyrics for him in like like a hundred and twenty eight font because <laughs> he's legally blind, so he would be reading right. it like. And he was recording one line at a time, and he really? would just and then they'd have to stop, and he would be okay. What's the last, next line? And some things he had trouble uh, pr- pronouncing because he's just like so Jamaican. Right. That, um, but he, he, seeing him live, uh, recording Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and knowing that he was the one that did Us and Them, Lucy, seeing him record Lucy in the Sky was a, um, an experience I'm never going to forget. It was so beautiful hearing this guy's voice live. Like he has one of the best vocalists, in my opinion, of all time. Wow. And you do listen to this. Like you're listening to us and them. It does sound like he is a nineties R and B singer, but he's a Jamaican (laughs) reggae guy. And he has this smoothness to his voice and he, us and them is a very heartbreaking song and it's a very Mm -hmm. somber song. And he captures that mood in the way that he sings. He almost sounds sad the whole time he's singing us and them. And it's really beautiful. Like if I would say that is my favorite song on the record. Wow. Well, it, it I think it definitely does get across that. Uh, he just, it's lonely. It's lonely. It's somber. It's, it's melancholic. It's, mm-hmm. you know, his vocals. It's also a little bit inspiring. Yeah, which is a kind of a weird way to describe it, but it kind of gives you hope. Yeah, which when he's when he's singing the the I guess what you could call the chorus. Yeah, yeah, inside. Yeah, like it's it gives me goosebumps, man. It makes my eyes water listening to this man. song. <laughs> and uh, and the cool things that they do throughout to make it more reggae. Cause really it's just drums and bass. Most of the time it's just like very chill, very spaced out drums. He's not doing a lot. The bass is just doing a, a consistent. Like he's, they're not doing yeah. a lot. They have saxophone that's playing at almost like a second vocal part. 
behind it and the saxophone can be is almost kind of like cheesy 80s saxophone <laughs> yeah for sure this is the this is the first album i ever heard a wah pedal on a saxophone and i want to hear that for every time now <laughs> that is one of the coolest effects ever man foot foot pedals on on brass is like something something else Who i don't remember where else i've seen it but like it needs it needs to be done more often yeah, and and this is I would say when talking about dub music on this album, I would say this is the best example of dub music. Um on this record. Us and them? Yeah, us and them. Okay. Like like what they do where they're manipulating the the sound of the bass every now and then, you know, it doesn't last more than a measure sometimes. Like uh, the way that they manipulate the drums, the random little echoes that they put on the guitar, the the effects that they're putting on the saxophone. It's like during this bridge part with the really nice piano and you have that guitar like echo stuff in the background. You have this very mm-hmm. reverb fucking wet ass <laughs> piano and wet ass drums. Um, it's it really like this is like a clinic on dub music. How to make an, a song dub to where it adds to it, right? It's not like you're not replacing something just to make it weird or different. Like this song wouldn't be the same without these little manipulations happening. Right. And I'm a huge saxophone guy. So <laughs> I'm pretty much I mean, going to love it if there's saxophone on it. But the saxophone played on this song is so sexy and and also somehow conveys melancholy and sadness and but perseverance i think that's what it is like when you're saying when you're saying it's almost positive it's like you can hear the perseverance in his voice yeah i think that like yeah, things aren't great but we're gonna f- push through you know yeah and there's a lot of passion being displayed in the vocals and in the in the saxophone and it's just it's a this is a life-changing song for me <laughs> Wow. Yeah, man, I'm getting teary. I just fucking talking about it. It really is just like I can't compare it to to much else. I don't I can't think of another especially another reggae song that has had this much impact on me as as us and them. I'll be high and listening to this and I'll start crying. <laughs> well, uh let me let me let me go ahead and uh, mess that up real quick with one of my little grievances. Oh, with this uh, album. Oh, with this album. Okay, yeah, let's hear it, man. I mean, it only happened. It's it's only on. I think this song and uh, Eclipse. Okay. Where uh, the original album has these big old climaxes and these like epic kind of musical moments. Yeah. And uh, us and them, the vocals do kind of do get to that point, but I feel like the music doesn't so much and it it never really reaches that kind of epic height kind of thing and especially on eclipse where it's supposed to be like the climax of the entire album and we're closing everything out and it just didn't really like their version of eclipse was kind of a little disappointing to me i guess yeah because it was so uh, like moderate and just, I don't know. It just, it just didn't have a cool epic climax moment. I keep saying those two words, but that's the only thing I can think of. 
And so the the album kind of ended, and it's, you know, the vocalist kind of, all that you do, and all that you say, and all that you feel. And it, it was a little bit of a dull ending to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could... If you're going into it expecting it to have the same energy as the original, yeah, you would. I could definitely understand where you're coming from with that because it reggae is subdued. You know, it's it's not. You're not going to hear loud reggae. Um, but yeah. the crescendos of those songs in the original is what makes them so cool, right? Like the, I mean, the way that it builds up. Yeah, Eclipse is basically just a minute. Uh, like a minute and a half long climax. It's building up. The instruments are adding instruments throughout the song and it's building up with more vocals and Mm -hmm. dark side of the moon. And then that's just kind of the of the entire album. And like, it's wrong to go in expecting the same energy and the same, I guess like vibes and moments of the original album like you shouldn't be going in like oh why didn't they do this thing on this thing mm-hmm. you know but it's it seems to me like kind of the point of the entire song is to kind of finish off this album and, and i don't know yeah uh, i totally i totally get that um and I, the only reason that it didn't bug me was because as a reggae fan i, I would not it would be weirder to me if they did that. Right. Like that's what, you know, not to change the subject real quick, but that, that's what was so cool about the radio dread album was because you have songs like electioneering. I don't know if you're a big Radiohead guy. Are you a Radiohead head? Okay. Computer is my favorite album by them. It's, I think it's mine too. Um, electioneering is probably one of my favorite songs by them also. Yeah. And that's a fucking rocking song, dude. Yeah. I love that song. And hearing a reggae version of that, I was like, how the fuck are you, like, how did you guys pull off? Like, like a fucking badass, like bluesy fucking guitar riff. And they basically just do that. They like, they, they were oh. like, what, let's just do a rock, kind of a rock reggae song. And, uh, they have a really cool, like deep vocal, uh, guy doing like, the election, the, you know, the vocals for that song. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So like they, I think they embraced a little bit more of the rock on radio dread than they did on dub side. Mm. I would say, but I mean, yeah, like us and them is just, it's a seven, almost an eight minute long song. That is the same tempo the whole time. It doesn't really crescendo at any moment. Other than, like you said, like Frankie Paul's vocals, like just get to this level that, yeah, make my fucking make me tear up. <laughs> um, and he was just the nicest dude in the world too. But you know what were what were you you know as as a guy who might not have totally dug this record, what were you what were your choice nugs? Uh, my first one was uh, breathe, yeah, and you know slash speak to me because I felt like that. That song in particular to me, like, made a lot of sense being a reggae version, you know, mm-hmm. with the with the because that song is already pretty airy as it is, and the echoes kind of filling in that air made a lot of sense to me. 
And I love that they use the money, the stuff in the beginning of money, and they've kind of like put it in the background of the intro of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They kind of like for foreshadow the uh, all the stuff they're going to do in the album, like the like the original kind of did. Uh, that baseline too on breathe. Oh yeah, and uh, I love like the bass on all these songs is like smooth and like ju- like not juicy, but like just like. I don't know, man. It's just like so nice to you. You so know, good. it'll caress you and it'll, it'll, it'll give you butterfly kisses in bed and it'll just <laughs> whisper sweet nothings, you know, it'll tickle your little bean. It'll <laughs> <laughs> give you an eargasm. Uh, drip, drip, drop. It was, it was breathe and uh great gig in the sky were my two choice. Ah, notes. So you like the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it was interesting because when I first listened to this, I thought they had sampled the original vocals. Oh, right. Uh, Cause she does so well. She does it. She's like so spot on, but then, you know, like featuring Kirsty rock, who and... is one of the nicest people I've met in the music industry. <laughs> She's <laughs> so all cool. Seem to be very nice people. They're so fucking nice, man. They were so nice to me as a 21 year old idiot that was just so obsessed with them as a band and they just made me feel like I'm, I'm in the band with them. They were so cool. Yeah. Gregging this guy. Yeah. I, she fucking killed it. Yeah. And I, I really, it was, it, I, it's just such an interesting decision to me that they use these vocals a lot more sp- scarcely than in the original. Right. They kind of picked and choose the moments that they would have her, uh, do these little vocal movements and kind of, and, and it seems was... like they gave her some Liberty too, right? Like she has, she had those tent pole parts that she had to do, you know, that yeah. she had to recreate, but then they kind of let her do yeah. her own thing too. Yeah. And it, the, it's just like, I, I can tell she probably has a very beautiful voice, Yeah, you know, just from, uh, just hearing it. But it's uh, impossible not to see her do this live and not like crush on her like mad. <laughs> and then also the uh, the the bass is great in this song, and I I I was kind of getting into the the jammy, spacey kind of vibe that this song was given, which is you know I'm sure <laughs> kind of what every song is giving off on this album. But yeah, a lot of dub s- stuff on this one. For some reason, I just. I don't know. This one I can I can kind of lose myself in. They have your they got your tambo in there. <laughs> they got they got my little tambo. I'm pretty sure they're uh, playing I think it's called a Wurlitzer, but it sounds like the bass and keyboards are playing the same. And I I think that's a Wurlitzer playing on top with the bass. So you have this like kind of more like sound over the bass doing the yeah yeah right whatever that is i feel like it's such a great layer onto (laughs) what the bass is already doing and that all that extra percussion going on yeah man that's dub that what they're doing to her vocals there whereas they're cutting it in and out you know she might have been fucking going off the whole time and michael took it upon himself to go in here and dub it out (laughs) recording it I'm sh- recording a song like that for Great Kick in the Sky must be really odd, right? Mm-hmm. 
that and because like, it's like how much pressure because that is such a famous song yeah and, and like uh just i don't know how you go into that one honestly because it's it's kind of a freestyle thing in the original mm-hmm. she was just kind of doing whatever she felt in the moment like do you should i like do i memorize these things or do i do my own thing do i like do half and half which is kind of what it sounded like she did on the recording yeah it sounds like she she had those moments that she wanted to hit that she wanted to recreate probably maybe even fucking prove that she could do it because the original lady's vocals are just unbelievable uh, apparently she was 22 when she recorded that the original singer wow that's so weird that's amazing man like then she i mean that she she was highlight like she was that song whoever yeah. that, that vocalist was yeah and she didn't even i think from what i read she did two takes and then they excused her and she didn't even know she was on the record until it came out wow because she thought they were like she thought they dismissed her and we're gonna erase the tracks Wow. I would not be surprised if Roger Waters was just like, yes, thank you. Thank you. That'll be all. And she leaves. She's like, did he hate me? (laughs) He seems like a little curmudgy. But it's it's interesting because my choice nugs on the original album uh, are like time and breathe. Mm. And Eclipse, if I could choose a third. Yeah, Eclipse was my buddy. I think it was my buddy Peter's favorite song. Or no, no, it was Brain Damage, I think, is Peter's favorite song. The lunatic yeah. is on the cross. And they have a great version on this one, too, where they kind of pretty much stick yeah. to the original. I That was that was like my third running nug. I would say was Time is my, my third. I love that Time is the master. And Time can, be, time can be a disaster. Uh, that guy, like, we used to never get it right because that that song has like a really long intro and we i never knew when he was gonna bust that out yeah and we'd always do it on the wrong part like driving around (laughs) listening to this and we're like damn it we thought we fucking had it that time but great gig is is uh that's surprising man you know you're kind of surprising me a little bit because it's been a couple episodes now where your favorite tracks have been instrumentals yeah i don't know what that's about man i i like I'll be the first to say that I usually just completely zone out when instrumentals happen and I don't take any, uh, I just don't listen to them, but sure. I don't know. They've been speaking to me. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> gray gig is like there, is there a song that you would say is bad on this record? What do you think is a bad song on this record? Uh, well, as I mentioned before, Eclipse kind of disappointed me. Sure. Uh, I think I, I think I like their version of on the run better. I do too. I think that might be the only version that I like better than the original. Uh, honestly, you're not going to like this, (laughs) but, uh, the, I think the ranking ranking, I think he kind of got on, got to me. Yeah. Which is, it's weird, because my first couple of listens, I was like, oh man, I love this guy. For, you know, whatever, he's like his crazy fast rapping. But the more I listened to it, like the more it kind of got on my nerves. I just think it's so reason. cool. 
like he's literally going that fast and i listened to it i was listening to it and i'm just like dude is he just doing gibberish at one point but i think he's legit saying stuff yeah that that might have been what irked me is that like it's like i don't know man like i could do I could do, like I could do gibberish that fast and, i'm a scat man yeah, and like the 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 waz got on my nerves, which uh, sucks because no! I really, yeah, because he did it so often, and it's just like a minute and a half of this guy just like doing whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think um, there's some reggae guys like like Ranking Joe. I want to put um, man, I haven't listened to to like old school reggae in so long, but they're like Barrington Levy. And other guys like that, that they just have like go-to things that they do on every song. And I'm pretty sure right. that, wow, wow, I'm pretty sure Ranking Joe probably does that on every <laughs> single song of his. That's like his thing, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think I like the, uh, I think there were only like two kind of original verses on this album, right? It was Time and Money. Mm-hmm. I'm, there might be another one. I like the Money one a lot better. Yeah, me too. Um, that guy's voice, Dollar Man's voice, is just so fucking cool. Yeah, uh, but yeah, aside from like Eclipse and in that part in time, because I like the rest of that song. Right, it's just kind of when that guy comes in and just wreck shop. <laughs> <laughs> just it's like a Jamaican Buster Rhymes, <laughs> but not as good. Eh, you know, whatever. But I, I'm not, I'm not hating it. I'm not hating on it. No, I wonder like if this was the album that Michael had suggested instead of Sun City Girls. Do you think you would have liked it more or less? Probably less, because <laughs> like I, <laughs> I'm used to Michael just giving me stuff that he, like I don't know if Michael actually like takes my taste in consideration when he gives me things to recommend. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he'll he'll just give me whatever, and like I'll be like, okay, this sucks, and he'll be like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> he's like yeah i know <laughs> yeah i expected that i'm like cool i'd you recommend me that <laughs> yeah i get that uh but because it was you you know i i i, I was more open-minded about it you know i'm trying at least yeah and like again like i didn't hate the record by any means but it's not gonna get a very high rating <laughs> Sure. As well. Yeah. Um, well, let's get to that, man. What would you rate this album? I'm giving this one a 5.5. 5.5. Which is kind of like I'm still kind of on the fence about it, uh, but it's it's leaning toward the more positive section, the more positive area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I'm not sure if I'll ever come back to this one. Maybe if I actually get more into reggae and I figure it out. Where I just like get dabbed out of my mind and I, it just clicks. Yeah, do you? Um, it's almost like uh, if I could make you a reggae playlist, would you be open to that? I of course I'm open to it. I'm always open to you recommending me stuff. Will I ever get to it? That's another question. I have made playlists for friends, multiple playlists in the last year. I don't think they've listened to any of it. Um, it's a little disheartening. <laughs> But 5.5, man, I think as a, as a guy who really doesn't listen to reggae at all, um, you're a classic rock guy at heart, you know? I think yeah. uh, I, I, knew that, I knew that this would be challenging, but 
this was a very personal choice for me to be able to talk about this record and talk about how much it right. means to me, you know? So, yeah. uh, so your rating doesn't matter, but mine does. So <laughs> mine, <laughs> like I've said, man, this, uh, is, okay. a, this is a top it, it, 10. Well, this is going to be a pretty easy episode for you to edit. Cause you're just going to take out my track. Yeah. I already, the, it's going to be edited by the end of the day. Cause I'm just going to save my track and put it up. Yeah. Um, I feel like I was probably talking most of the time anyway, but, uh, the, ah. my, this is an S tier album for me. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, top 10 of all time. No doubt. Like that's not even, I have no fucking hesitation to say that this hmm. is a nine point. It's nearly perfect, man. It's a 9.6. Man. I, I mean, with these records, with this and the resignation, was there a, surely there was a point in your life where it was a 10. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Uh, I would say right. 10, 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, this album was a 10 for sure. Yeah. I've just heard so much music since, you know, like I have to put it in context of everything else I've heard, but yeah, like I said, this is nearly perfect. I mean, the, I would, there aren't, there's nothing that I don't like about this record. I think the only thing that I would want to change on this is, um, I don't even think I would change anything, dude. I mean, look, look, man, you got 0.4 points that you are not accounting for. Yeah. You, you know, feel me? I think uh, on the run has been a song I never liked on the original and I like this one sure. more, but I still skip it most of the time. So that's probably what it is. I think that's the only uh, thing I yeah. would change is like on the run, I think is just a filler song on both records. Yeah. But 9.6, man, 9.6 for me. This is, this was a life changing record. Once I finally really gave it a chance. Man. It led to a lot of really, really great moments in my life where, where this record was present in a way. Yeah, man. When when you suggested this and you were telling me how much weight you're putting behind it, I had no idea how you were going to justify why this album is such a big deal because it's a cover album. Right. You know, like it's 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 weird. But it, after hearing this episode, like from your viewpoint, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Um, you know? I, I'm glad. Like, I, I, I'm glad that you let me like tell the story of, you know, being friends with these people in a way and. I've been in touch with them for the last over 10 years in, in one way, shape or form. And I hold these people in really high regard. Like they, they treated me well when I was an intern, they were really respectful. They gave me an insight into the music industry that I would not have had without them. Mm. And it was one of the first things that I did where I know I knew what I wanted to do and I seeked it. I, and I executed you know, like, yeah, the only reason I got that internship is because I emailed the CEO. Like, that's not something that I think a lot of people would think of doing. And yeah. And then g going to New York and living off 10 bucks a day. And yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, I, I mean, mean, my dad paid my way through, like I was renting well, a room in an apartment that was $2,000 for the whole time I stayed there. Oh my God. Yeah. This lady fucking gouged me, dude. Um, but it was one of, if not the best summer of my life, it was the second best summer of my life. 
wow. and a lot of that has to do with too, because the way that summer worked out was I went to Brazil for the first half of the summer. And then I was in New York for the second half. <laughs> I literally spent one <laughs> night. I've, I landed in Houston and then the next morning at 6 a.m., I was flying to New York. Jeez, man. That was an active summer for you. And it was the first time I went to Brazil. It, we stayed in a cabin in, in the in the Amazon. We went to Rio de Janeiro. We went to Brasilia. I met my whole stepmother's side of the family, and they were all incredible. Uh, I ate some of the best food I've ever had. It was the summer that I lost 100 pounds. Like I had officially lost 100 pounds by that summer. And it was the first summer that I was 21 years old. So I was in Brazil and I was in New York that whole summer as a freshly thin, uh, youthful, freshly legal, legal drinking, smoking. And it was the most, it was the best summer of my, I'm going to say it. It was the best summer of my life. What would you rate it? That summer was a fucking 12 out of 10. Ooh, the only, and, and I'm not even, I'm not even discounting the fact that my laptop and my over 300 movies that I took with me to New York. I took all my DVDs with me to New York for some fucking reason. Uh, bought a ton more while I was there. I, like I told you, I'm a huge movie head. Um, yeah. They all got stolen out of my luggage when I flew back to Houston. Oh my God. And that was absolutely heartbreaking. I've never been able to rebuild that collection. I can't even remember 90% of the movies I had. And it still breaks my heart to think about it. That, the the good experiences I had that summer outweigh getting my laptop and all my movies stolen. And my Xbox. I also took my Xbox, which my dad Jeez, suggested. Man. Did you bring for, any clothes? Dude, I don't know why I took so much of my shit. I think I was so worried that I wasn't gonna know I wasn't gonna have anything to do at night. That I'm right. like, let me play video games, let me watch my movies, blah blah. Not even Yeah, thinking, you, you weren't gonna have anything to do at night in New York. In New York fucking city. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to have not, anything Look, there's to do. not a lot. It's kind of on the country, right? Yeah, everyone's asleep by 10. Yeah. It's the city it's that's the asleep city by that 10. the city that sleeps, <laughs> I think is what it's called. Yeah, the city that's asleep by 10 is the nickname. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know why I took all that stuff, and I probably deserve to get robbed because it was really stupid to put all that shit in my luggage, but um, it doesn't... 12 out of 10, man. That That summer will never be can never be beat for the experiences that I had that summer. And it was huge on me too, like on a personal level of, um, building my confidence. I was, I was the opposite of a confident guy prior to losing mm. all that weight. I went through all my life up until I was 18, 19, just like so self-conscious and so scared to be myself and comfortable in my own skin and feel attractive. Like feel like people like, you know, that women, found me attractive. And then I lost all this weight. I went to Brazil and I started getting checked out for the first time in my life and it felt awesome. And then I went to New York and it was the same thing. I felt like I'm talking to these beautiful women in New York that are friends with, you know, the people I'm working with and stuff. And it was like, yeah, right. It was a, a formative summer. Like I became a lot of who I am today because of like losing all that weight and discovering myself. And that summer was a big part of that. Wow. Maybe maybe we'll do an episode about that summer in particular I, some other time. I can talk about that all fucking day, man. <laughs> Count me in. What what would you uh what would you rate this uh episode? Uh you know what? I'm gonna rate this episode a nine. Because I I like that you had a personal connection and that you had like a whole story and I had I had no idea you went to New York for a summer 
or Brazil. Yeah. So I, I learn new things about you, learn more about my friend. That's a nine in my book. I love that, man. It's uh, this is a nine for me too, man. It was it was um, knowing that you were probably not gonna like this album as much as I did. <laughs> but I was so. Did you excited. know that when you suggested it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Just wanted to make sure. But it was done in a way, I suggested in a way because I really wanted to talk about it and I really wanted to have the other perspective. The perspective of right. someone who isn't a reggae guy as much as I yeah. am or, or, you know, maybe not at all. So, like, yeah, that was, this was, it was really fun to talk through this. I, I can't even think of, uh, of what food I would call this either. What about a flan? This is a flan at the beginning, dude. Yes, exactly. This is a goddamn flan. (laughs) It is the best flan you'll ever fucking have in your life. This is a THC lace flan, dude. It'll. It's a flan that'll get you high. That that won't give you IBS (laughs) and and bubble bubble guts and the and the booty squirts. You don't got to worry about any of that stuff with this flan. No, this this there's it's a dairy free flan that has weed in it that will fuck you up. And it'll taste good with everybody. You can have the whole flan and never get fucking tired of it. It's it's the perfect flan. It's the perfect flan. Well, buddies, uh, as of now, we kind of don't have a plan for the next episode. That's right. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see if we can get a friend on, and if not, uh, I think it's gonna be on me to choose an album. Uh, and what that'll be, it might be. It might be I Can Fool Anybody in This Town by Lily. It might be Hawaii Part 2 by uh, Miracle Musical. That's a good one. It might be some third thing that I come up with. Who knows? It might be an album that you write in the next week. That I I might just write an album. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Force Lucas to listen to it and give me his constructive yet positive criticism. (laughs) Only positive. Yes. I don't accept negative criticism. Well, we'll figure out what that album is going to be. But um, in the meantime, you know, if you like this episode, give us a follow on Instagram at EBPcast. Uh, I am Jean, at Jean-Luc Guitard. Brett is at Brett Hanrahan. We have really easy names to spell. Uh, the EBPcast, there's no way you can mess up any of those letters. Um, we have a YouTube channel, we have a which YouTube may channel? Be, it may be a little harder to find. I think it probably is, um, but also if you might be impossible. If you like this album, if you don't like this album, if you agree with anything that we have said or disagree, leave us a comment. We might be setting up a Google Voice chat channel that you can actually call in and leave us a voicemail or a voice message, essentially, and we can fucking play that on the next episode. So uh, get involved, y'all. Like, let us know what you guys think, and thanks for listening. Thank you, buddies. Brett. This was good. Lucas, this was good. And three.